Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Judges chapter 10, the book of Judges chapter 10. We continue our study through the Old Testament. And here we are in the book of Judges chapter 10. But do you remember our study in chapter 2, in Judges chapter 2, where the Lord, you know, we were told that the Lord would become forgotten. And how is it that the Lord responds? Well, we see that in Judges chapter 2 and verse 16 as a little refresher. But in Judges chapter 2, verse 16, it is written, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They quickly turned from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hands, the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. And so that's from chapter 2. But in Judges chapter 10, I mean, consider all the things that we've learned so far with the ups and the downs, the ups and the downs, more ups, more downs, and we've seen it. We're we're just in Judges 10, and we've seen it already in the book of Judges. And I hate to say it like this, but we see more of the same. More of the same. I hate to say it like that, but it's exactly what we see. And here we are in Judges chapter 10, verse 1. After Abimelech, now remember we studied Abimelech last week, and after Abimelech, in verse 1, there arose to save Israel Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar, and he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shamir. After him arose Yair, a Gileadite. And he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. They also had 30 towns, which are called Havoth Yair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Yair died and was buried in Cayman. Now it's very interesting. You know, we look at this and we see like, wow, remember the Lord raised up these judges to deliver Israel. And the Lord was with the judges. And, you know, it's so beautiful because, you know, you see how the Lord has these individuals when when the majority forgets the Lord. Like, look at Deborah. When the majority forgets the Lord, it's Deborah. She doesn't. Gideon, he doesn't. Yael, she doesn't. You see, Ehud, he doesn't. And it's so beautiful because, you know, Yael is kind of an, uh, like in, in, in a class by herself because, so to speak, because she, she had like a, a double whammy where the Lord became forgotten in the land, but then also in her own tent. Her husband, her husband was, you know, allied with the enemies of Israel. And so she had a, a major choice to make. 
where the Lord became forgotten in in the land, but then also the Lord was forgotten in her own home. And yet she made a stand. And it's so beautiful. Young, old, male, female, and that's what we see throughout Scripture. The Holy Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that's what we see. When the Lord becomes forgotten, who doesn't forget him? Who are the ones who honor the Lord? And here in chapter 10, we see how there arose to save Israel, Tola. And then in verse 3, after him, Yair. And then we get to verse 6. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Asterisks. Now, regionally speaking, look at what we see here in in the children of Israel serving the Baals and the Asterisks, doing evil in the sight of the Lord again. What do we see here in verse 6? We see the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon. And the gods of the Philistines. Notice the plurality here. I mean, in, in verse 6, at the beginning, well, not the, it kind of like a little bit in the beginning, where the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served the Baals and the Asterisks. Plurality. Baals and the Asterisks. Plurality. But then on top of that, we see the gods of Syria. Gods. Plurality of Syria. The gods, plurality of Sidon, the gods, plurality of Moab, the gods, plurality of the people of Ammon, the gods, plurality of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. It kills me. I mean, after all we've been through. Now, remember chapter 6, where again, when Israel forgot the Lord and Remember in chapter 6, they prayed to God and they wanted restoration, but without the blueprints. And that's something that can never happen in the life of a believer. Because the restoration of the Lord has very, very specific blueprints. Very easy, but very specific nonetheless. And we see the ups and the downs of Israel in various states as the Lord becomes forgotten. And the state of the Lord becoming forgotten becomes worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Because look at the plurality of these other gods. Look at the plurality of these idols. You see? And as we see these ups and downs in Israel, as Christians, we must also know and understand that it's the root that supports the branch. Because what happens here, we have to be very careful because a lot of wicked men standing at pulpits, they like to introduce replacement theology. When they speak about the fallen state of Israel without realizing that they are fallen themselves. So we must always understand that the root supports the branch. And we see that in in in, in uh, Romans eleven, but at the same time, also never forget the stump. Never forget the stump, and also never forget the root of Jesse. Because you see, the Lord is at work. The Lord is doing something beautiful, but we need eyes to see and ears to understand. 
And so we see the plurality of these gods in Israel. They forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Notice, they're not serving the Lord in verse 6 here in, in Judges 10. They're not serving the Lord. They forsook the Lord and they're not serving him. But look at what they're serving. In the beginning of verse 6, they serve the Baals, the asterisks, the plurality of these, not just gods, but the plurality of these peoples, Syria, Sidon, Moab, Amen, the Philistines. Look at the plurality of everything else besides God. You see? And in so doing, they're forsaking the Lord and not serving Him. But look at what they serve. You see? And then we see in verse 7, so the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Now remember, God is reactionary. He responds to obedience. He responds to disobedience. He responds to wickedness. He responds to righteousness. And he also responds to repentance. But in this state that we see here, Israel, when they're not serving the Lord, they forsook the Lord. And in verse 7, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hands of the Philistines or surrendered them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. Now, remember Balaam and Balak, our study in the book of Numbers. Remember Balaam, Balaam and Balak. Now, Balak, Balak wanted intel on how to defeat Israel, which he learned from the council of Balaam. But let us not forget the reason why Balak wanted intelligence. Why, why, why was it? What was the reason behind Balak wanting this intel? The reason was because he was afraid of Israel. Because at that time, Israel was definitely a force to be reckoned with. They were fighting fiercely and winning. And Balak, he knew that he could not defeat Israel in kinetic warfare. He couldn't. He knew it. And so he got the intel. Through his own coercion and seduction, he extracted this intel from Balaam to defeat Israel. He had to get them to forget the Lord. See, you figure, okay, like Israel is a, is a mighty force. They, you know, they're, they're winning battle after battle after battle. How do, how do I defeat them? Just, to, you know, what, what Balak thought, how do I defeat them? Do I, have to, do I have to train like this? Do I have to train like this? Do I tell my guys to train like this? Do they train like this? And through the counsel of Balaam, he learned, no, 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 no. All you got to do is get them to deny the Lord and forget the Lord. And so coming down the hill, you figure, is he going to send his mighty warriors? No. You know what he does? He sends the women down. He sends women down. And Israel defiled themselves in their sexual relations with those women. And then the women start to say, hey, let's worship Baal now. You see? And so the men of Israel start to worship Baal. But look how it all started. You see, seduction. And it blows me away so much because, you know, 
you you figure, you know, someone might say like, well, wait a second, that's Old Testament. That doesn't, that's not pertinent today. That doesn't apply today. This is Old Testament, but really? Why do you think on the public square today, anywhere in the world, you can talk about Buddha, you can talk about Mary, you can talk about Krishna, you can talk about chakras, you can talk about Hindu gods, but the very second you mention Jesus, literally all hell breaks loose. Do you know why? Do you know why that is? Because Satan knows that if people hear, they might believe. And if people believe, he loses. You see? Satan knows that. Followers of Jesus understand Satan knows that in order to defeat Christians, they must forget Jesus. You see? It's the same playbook. So Satan sends his vessels out. This is something that Paul is worried about when he exposes his own phobia for the saints in Corinth, where he says, you might well put up with it. He says, I fear for you. I have phobia on your, for your sake because the preacher guys are going to come in and you're not going to see and understand that this guy is a servant of Satan. He comes with another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. And he says, I fear for you guys because you might well put up with it. What happens? They put up with it. What happens in Galatia? They put up with it. Satan sends out his vessels who present themselves as ministers of righteousness. But they're his vessels. But also understand that God has his vessels too. How is it that you discern? Formula. You have to understand formula. You see? And just as we see the ups and the downs of Israel here in Judges 10, we see the ups and downs. We see the plurality of these idols. And we see how they're not serving the Lord and how they forsook the Lord. But the same happens today. The ups and the downs in the life of a Christian. Why is that? I mean, we're going to have ups and downs, yes, but the aggregate direction should be upward. But sometimes you don't see that. Sometimes you see stagnation. Sometimes you see where it is on the decline. That's not good. And so we see in verse 7, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them or delivered them or surrendered them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. You see? From that year in verse 8, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Now, I mean, in this state, in this state right now, in, in, in Judges 10, this, the condition of Israel in this state, it seems shocking that Balak was even afraid of Israel. Remember our study in the book of Numbers? It seems shocking. 
Why is Balak even afraid? What what was what did Balak have anything to be concerned about? Look it. But carnally speaking, the shock is understandable because I'm Israel in this state. I mean, forgive me for saying it like this, but it's kind of a piece of cake. Why, why in the world was Balak even concerned? Why was he even afraid? And it's understandable to even think that. But when you look at the heart, when you look at the heart and proximity to the Lord, it's perfectly clear. When is God honored and when is God forgotten? Because when God is honored, Israel is a force to be reckoned with. But when God is forgotten, piece of cake. Piece of cake. You see? And you figure, well, that's just Israel. No, 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 no. The same could be said of the Christian. When God is honored, a force to be reckoned with. When God is forgotten, piece of cake. Do you remember the, the, the demons to the sons of Siva? Jesus we know. Paul we know. Notice the plurality of demons. You know, Jesus we know. Paul, we know, but who in the world are you? You see? Paul honored the Lord. And he was a force to be reckoned with. Not to deify Paul, but Christ in Paul. Paul was a force to be reckoned with. Brother James, a force to be reckoned with. Chloe, Lydia, Priscilla, Achilla, Phoebe, forces to be reckoned with. Because they honor the Lord. You see? But the sons of Siva? Alexander, Hymenaeus? Piece of cake. You see? Nothing new under the sun. And look what happens here. In verse... In uh, 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 verse 8, from that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah. Also notice, more oppressors and at the same time crossing the Jordan. You see what's happening? The oppressors, they're not just multiplying but they're gaining ground. They're gaining ground. You see what's happening? Against Benjamin in verse 9 and against the house of Ephraim so that Israel was severely distressed. In verse 10, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, look what it takes. Look what it takes. I mean, why, why do we have to get to this point? Why did it have to get to this level for Israel to cry out to the Lord? Why didn't they cry out to the Lord much sooner? Why? 
And it's, it's one thing to say that it's a result of God being forgotten, and it truly is. But remember verse 6, where verse 6 says, Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and the Asterisks, remember plurality, the gods of Syria, again, plurality. The gods of Sidon, again, plurality. Plurality of idol, plurality of peoples. The gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. You see, works unto Baals show rotten fruit. Works unto asterisks show rotten fruit. And today we see plenty of rotten fruit inside the church. The world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. But we see plenty of rotten fruit inside the church. Also, with no victory, we see defeat after defeat after defeat. So many times Christians, they ask, you know, hey, can you pray for me? Have you ever had a Christian ask you? Hey, brother, can you pray for me? Hey, sister, can you pray for me? Can you pray for me, brother? Can you pray for me, sister? Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I love to pray for the saints. I love to pray for the saints. I love to pray for the body of Christ. But anyone who treats Jesus like a genie, Anyone who treats the Bible like a genie, you know, rub the Bible three times and make a wish. No, doesn't work that way. Anyone who does that will never be victorious. So we look at verse 10. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, we have sinned against you because we have both forsaken our God and served the Baals. You see, the acknowledgement of sin. Now, the acknowledgement of sin, it's a beautiful thing. It can lead to holiness. We cannot say that it does lead to holiness because with the acknowledgement of sin, a person has a choice to make. Do you remember when there was a group of people and they were cut to the heart and they when? You know, Peter was speaking, beautiful, beautiful brother Peter, vessel Peter. And when Peter was speaking, he was done speaking and a group of people were cut to the heart. And in heeding Peter, they repented. They were cut to the heart because of the acknowledgement of their sin. And they say to Peter, what do we do? What do we do? And Peter told them to repent and be baptized in Jesus for the remission of sin and receive the Holy Spirit. They were cut to the heart. The acknowledgement of sin is a beautiful thing and it can lead to holiness. It does not absolutely lead to holiness because there's a step to take. It's called repentance. You see, there was another group of people who heard the words of Peter and they were also cut to the heart, but they did not heed Peter. They beat him. Peter was speaking to the religious leaders, the religious establishment. You see, you have two groups of people who were cut to the heart. One group heeded Peter. The other group 
did not heed Peter. You see, the acknowledgement of sin is absolutely 100% beautiful. But there's more. It's called repentance. And all who believe, all who believe in receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, there has to be the acknowledgement of sin and also repentance. And that might be you right here, right now. And if it is you, hit pause. Right here, right now. Hit pause. Listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you, right here, right now, commit your life to Christ. You listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. You commit your life to Christ. And you come back, you listen, we grow together. We continue this beautiful, beautiful journey together. Here in verse 10, they acknowledge like, wow, we've sinned against you, Lord. We've forsaken you and served the Baals. Look how the Lord responds in verse 11. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians? Straight up. Did, did I not do that for you? Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? You see, the Lord has indeed absolutely showed himself faithful. He's done it. And the Lord continues. He says, also the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Maonites. You see? They oppressed you, he says in verse 12. And you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, he says in verse 13. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Whoa, what is happening? I will deliver you no more, the Lord says. You know how painful this is? I mean, it's painful to read. It's painful to fathom. But put yourself in the shoes of Israel. Put yourself in the sandals of Israel hearing that. I will deliver you no more. Understand, it is a biblical truth that God's mercy endures forever. It is a biblical truth. But it is also written that God does absolutely 100% show mercy. But mercy, mercy is conditional. Mercy is shown to those who love him and obey him. It is written to those who love him and obey him. Now, you might be hearing that and, you know, also understand there is no rigidity to that at all. And I know it's seemingly implied like, wow, you know, like if you're listening for the first time, especially if you're not a believer or a baby believer or, you know, even the adolescent believer, spiritually speaking. But you might hear that and be like, well, OK, so I want mercy. So therefore, I must obey the Lord and understand there's no rigidity to that at all. Obedience unto the Lord, it's beautiful. But the Lord knows what he's working with. If you're a baby, he knows you're a baby. But we don't stay babies. If you're adolescent, he knows you're adolescent. But we don't stay adolescent. If you're mature, he knows you're mature. But 
we don't become arrogant or prideful and we transition from mature to deadly, the good deadly. You see, he knows what he's working with. And so we also have to understand the covenants too, because remember our study in the book of Leviticus and not just Leviticus, but it was also mentioned in Numbers and Deuteronomy, how these studies in Torah have major warning labels. Because when we don't understand covenants, what happens is that a lot of Christians, they get in trouble because they attempt righteousness through the law. And that can happen because the law is a tutor which brings to Christ. And the righteous abide in Jesus Christ, having never left Jesus Christ, never to leave Jesus Christ, which is a choice. A person can come into Jesus Christ and a person can leave Jesus Christ. It's a choice. The Lord doesn't make robots. You see? And it's so simple. It's so simple. It's very intricate. And the holy blueprints are explained in Holy Scripture. And also written is another truth. To whom is given, much more is required. And that's what we see here with Israel. We see it. Where the Israel, to whom is given, much more is required. They acknowledge the sin in verse 10. We've sinned against you. We've forsaken. We've both forsaken the Lord and served the Baals. We've forsaken our God and served Baals. And the Lord responds, did I not deliver you from the Egyptians? Did I not deliver you from the Amorites? Did I not deliver you from the people of Ammon? Did I not deliver you from the Philistines? In verse 12, your oppressors were the Sidonians, the Amalekites, the Maonites. You cried out to me and I did deliver you from their hand. That's what the Lord says in verse 11 and 12. But this time, this time, in the plurality of your gods, this time, the Lord says, therefore, I will deliver you no more. You see, remember, to whom is given, much more is required. Then we look at verse 14, where the Lord, in speaking to Israel, says, Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. You see, balls in your court. You want to do the Baal? Okay, go to Baal. You want to go to Ashereth? Okay, go to Ashereth. Molech? Okay, go to Molech. Cry out to them. You see, because if we choose, if we choose God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Most High, he has a very specific route with very specific blueprints. And Jesus is the way, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Very easy, but the route is very specific. And of these other gods, let's look at verse 14, where the Lord says, go to them. Go cry out to the gods which you have chosen. 
Let them deliver you in your time of distress. In your time of, in the Hebrew, affliction, anguish, and tribulation. Tribulation. Look at where the chosen gods have gotten the people. Look at where Baal led them. Look at where Ashtoreth has gotten them to. It's nothing but oppression and the oppression is getting worse. The oppressors are multiplying and they're gaining ground. And it's all a result of the Lord becoming forgotten. Idols will never lead you to safety. And once trapped, they'll keep you trapped. And I tell you this from experience. 25 years ago when the Lord rescued me. You see? Remember, God is no respecter of persons. He doesn't care if you're rich, poor, you know, like, just like our study in the book of James, God is no respecter of persons. Rich, poor, male, female, skinny, chubby, skin color, he doesn't care because he looks to the heart. When the Lord became forgotten in the days of Deborah, she didn't forget the Lord. When the Lord became forgotten in the days of Ehud, he didn't forget the Lord. In the days of Gideon, he didn't forget the Lord. And what about today? When the Lord becomes forgotten, the world is the world. Corinth is Corinth. Because in Corinth, the Lord was becoming forgotten. You see? For three years, uncorrected uh, a sin, the carnal nature. In Galatia, the Lord was becoming forgotten. Remember, Paul said himself, he says, I marvel to the Galatian saints. He says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon. I mean, it didn't take, you know, like, you know, uh, five years, 10 years, 20 years. No, he said, I marvel that you're turning away so soon. It's happening so soon. You see? And to turn away from Jesus is to forget Jesus. It's the way of the apostate. Look at what we see here in verse 15. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned! Exclamation point. We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. Very interesting because in verse 10, they acknowledge the sin. In verse 15, they acknowledge the sin. We have sinned in verse 10. In verse 15, we have sinned. In verse 10, we see that they acknowledge the sin. But then in verse 13, we see how God responds where he says, I won't deliver you. And yet in verse 15, they say, we have sinned yet again. What's the difference? What's different from the acknowledgement of sin in verse 10 and verse 15? What's different? Look at verse 16. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. What do we see here? We see action. We see deeds. 
we see an Old Testament example of what Brother James testifies. Faith and works as inseparable. The two work together, package deal. What are the deeds? Denial of idols. And serving the Lord. You see? And then we see in verse 16, they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. You see? We see an Old Testament example of faith and works working together. The two are inseparable. The very same things, the, the very same thing Brother James says. And these are things that will absolutely happen again. They're already happening. And I tread lightly in saying this. And I tread lightly in saying this for your sake. But I'm thankful for tribulation. I'm thankful for tribulation. And I know it sounds outlandish to hear me say that. Outlandish for those words to even go in your ears. But I'm thankful for tribulation because in tribulation, idols, they have their moments to prove themselves. And they will be proven incapable. They're already incapable. I mean, idols have, in, in comparison to the Almighty, they're nothing. Incomparable. I mean, the, the Almighty is the Almighty. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who has a son. Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Born of a virgin. Fulfillment of prophecy. The root of Jesse. Remember, until the seed. Idols have their moments to prove themselves. And 100% of the time, they will be proven incapable. They will be proven to be Powerless, which that was always their state. But when God is forgotten, when God is forgotten, people cannot see this nor understand it. It's not just that idols will be proven incapable, but every single religion, every single doctrine will be proven incapable in the tribulation, in the great tribulation, every single idol, every single religion, and every single doctrine will be proven to be incapable and powerless, except for one. One. I'm thankful for tribulation. I'm thankful for great tribulation. Because everything, every council, every wind of doctrine, every religion, every idol, it will all, they will all fail except the word of God. See, sometimes, you know, we read the Bible and just figure, well, you know, that was for back in the day. Okay, this is nice that this happened. This ups and downs. Okay, I get it. That's nice. But no, nothing new under the sun. There is a repetitive nature to mankind and the ways of mankind. You see? 
Israel. And in verse 10, we have sinned against you. We have sinned against you. And the Lord says, okay, in verse 13, I, I will deliver you no more. In verse 14, go to them. You want to do the bales? Go to Baal. You want to do the asterisk? Go to asterisk. Those are the gods which you have chosen. Go to them. And then the people, they say, no, we have sinned. We have sinned. But now their faith has the accompaniment of works. And what's the works? They deny their gods. They put away the foreign gods. And then they serve the Lord. You see? And now with this marriage of faith and works, now you see something else. The effectuation of promise. The effectuation of mercy. In verse 16, and his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. You see? In verse 17, then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mizpah. So what we see here is we see opposing forces in neighboring towns. The town of Gilead and the town of Mizpah. The Ammonites in one town, the Israelites in another town. And you see there, it's like a staging area, so to speak. And the people in verse 18, the leaders of Gilead said to one another, who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? So what is happening here? We see in this staging of war in these two neighboring towns, Gilead and Mizpah, you have the Ammonites are in Gilead and Gilead is themselves on the path to restoration as they remember the Lord and serve the Lord and put away the foreign gods. And there are leaders in the town who are discussing who will fight against the oppressors. You see, it would be like you and me. Say we we were in a town, we forgot the Lord and, you know, and everything that comes along with that, you know, it's not too, you know, where the, the oppression, the oppression, the oppression. And then all of a sudden we repent, we, we put away the foreign gods, we throw away the idols and then we serve the Lord and restoration is happening. But you and me, we're in this town, but in the outskirts of town, there's our oppressors and they're staging for war against us. They're staging for war against Israel. And that's what's happening here. And so the leaders of Gilead, they say to one another in verse 18, who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, very short chapter, and we've reached the end of our study in the book of Judges 10. And we're at the, the precipice of war once again. Once again. The oppressors have gained a lot of ground. And again, victory has a very specific formula, a very specific recipe, a very specific path. These are things that we're going to look at next week, Lord willing. But at the same time as we see, yes, it's a short chapter, but look at what's jam-packed inside of it. 
What happens when the Lord is forgotten and what happens when the Lord is remembered? What happens when the Lord is forgotten and what happens when the Lord is honored? And at the same time, don't forget the package deal of faith and works. Something Brother James wrote to us about. You see? It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's lovely. It's glorious. It's holy. And we have these Old Testament examples. Remember what Brother Paul says when Brother Paul says the things of old are written? They're written for our admonition, for our warning. So that we can learn. And as we see the ups and the downs of Israel, we also have to look and understand and understand like why we see the ups and the downs. Because when those very things are understood, it helps us in our walk with the Lord to prevent the ups and the downs. Now, we're, you're, we will have and we do have ups and the downs, but the downs don't have to be miles and miles and miles down to the pit. The downs can be a couple inches. You see? And praise be to the Lord. Because in the richness of his mercy, in the richness of his grace, in the richness of his love for you, he made the way. It's narrow, but it can be traversed. You see, it's narrow, but it's also easy. And the only way it's easy is when we walk in the spirit. To the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.